If it, you had been at First Baptist Church Atlanta or First Baptist Church wherever, you wouldn't have heard a choir do any better than our choir did this morning. They did an outstanding job. Now I might want to keep that. No, part, you right? can't lead the music. <laughs> they did an outstanding job, and uh, the men sounded so good as well to look not so good. They did a really good job. Now the sermon this morning is gold, frankincense, and dirt, and you'll understand that in just a little bit. What we want to do this morning is look at the gifts of the wise men and uh, look at some other passages of scripture that relate to giving, to Christian giving. We talk about that this morning because it's Christmas time and this is one of the stories connected to our Christmas story. But we also talk about that because of the time it is in our church. We're in the season of giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Not only so, last Sunday night, we presented our church budget for 2023. And tonight, at the conclusion of the evening service, we'll be voting on our budget. So <clears throat> I want to begin by uh, looking at one passage of Scripture, one simple verse from the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. And this is about the story of the wise men coming to worship Jesus. The Bible simply says, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him, and they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Not dirt. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You knew that was correct anyway. We know this story because God inspired Matthew to write it. Matthew is the only one who tells us about the wise men, the only one who tells us about the star. The reason Matthew relates the story about wise men or kings coming from distant lands to worship Jesus is because Matthew wrote specifically to prove that Jesus was the king of the Jews. So he tells us this story. Not only so, the, God wanted us to know what they brought. They brought gifts that were fit for a king. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But that is their giving. And today we want to talk about your giving. How would you evaluate your gifts to Jesus? Did you know that Jesus never evaluated a person's gift by how much they gave. We look at another passage of scripture from the gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 21 verses 41 through 44. Now I know how you are about uh, your own personal finances and I know how I am about mine. If somebody asks us to give an offering, we're going to pull our wallet out and we're going to hold it really close and we're going to see what we can pull out without showing what else we have left over okay so but let's look at this passage of scripture jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd do you suppose he still does that today do you suppose jesus still observes what you give and i give and do you suppose he still evaluates our giving the way he evaluated the giving of these people. He sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came 
and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Dirt, huh? Nothing very much, nothing significant, nothing very important. The rich people put in lots. She put in two cents, not very much. Then Jesus said, calling his disciples to him, said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more, more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. So Jesus measured giving not by how much someone gave, but by how much a person had left over. You see, my giving and your giving reflects the true attitude of our hearts. Jesus would know, I suppose, whether my gift or your gift was gold, frankincense, or dirt. What about the wise men and their gifts? Why did they bring gifts? How did they bring them? What did they decide? Why did they, when did they decide to give them? And did they withhold anything that they had previously pledged to give? Or did those gifts make it all the way to Jesus? Now you think about their giving. Obviously, their gifts required some kind of container. They didn't just show up one day uh, from a short drive or, or walked across the street. They traveled a long way. So those gifts were very carefully packaged. And they would have been very carefully preserved. They would have been packaged in such a way as to reflect who they were being given to. They were being given uh, to another king, and so they would have been gifts fit for a king, and not just any king, but the king of kings and lord of lords. Here's the second thing I'd like you to ponder this morning. Are, are the gifts that you bring to Jesus fit for a king? Are they fit for him? Are they worthy of him? Well, this week, we let our church computer do a little work. The computer can do work that we can't do, can do it quickly, and can uh, make, draw some conclusions that we can't draw without looking at names or faces, so we just looked at numbers. And so this week we found out that out of all the people who belong to this church who are from the age of 20 to the age of 60, there are only 19 people who give anything to the church. Out of all the people from 20 to 60, of all the people who belong to this church, not just the people who show up on Sunday, but of all the people who belong and are members of this church, only 19, and that is 18% of the total giving to the church. That's the bulk of working adults in the church. And, and so while there aren't as many in that group as there need to be, there are 19, and so we are thankful for the 19. Now, uh, the group from 60 to 69, this is the next group, and this there's a mistake on this slide. It says they give 33.1%, but they don't. They give 24.6% of the gifts of the church, and there are 19 in that group, and we're thankful for the 19. Those from 70 to 79 give 33.1% of the gifts given to the church, and there are 31 in that group. Those from 80 to 89, and there are only 15 in that group, and they give more than the entire congregation from 20 to 29. 
giving 20 to 60. Uh, they, they give more than the group 20 to 60, giving 22.6% of the gifts of the church. Now, and we also saw that there, there are a group uh, from, from uh, 90, that's right, 90 to 99, and they give almost as much, and there are only a few of them, as the group from 20 to 39. So that's pretty significant, I think. Some folks are obviously giving gold and frankincense. What I mean by that is they're giving faithfully and sacrificially. Others, instead of giving gold and frankincense, are giving dirt. They give nothing at all. And that reflects their, not only their giving, that's reflected in their faithfulness. And I would suspect it's, re- it's reflected in other areas of their lives as well. Now, consider these wise men. Do you suppose they gave any thought to what they were going to bring before they left. Remember, they just couldn't run down to the local Walmart and pick up a token gift so that they could say they had given a gift to Jesus. Their gifts were matters of the heart. They came to worship him. What is your gift to Jesus? Now, not only was that pattern reflected by the wise men, it was also a pattern that was reflected in the early church itself. So Paul wrote a letter to the church at Corinth. And when he writes this letter to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he tells them about another church, a church in a place called Macedonia. And he tells them about an offering that they gave, and this is what he said in chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. He said, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace of God that was given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial... Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urged, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Did you notice the circumstances out of which they gave? They didn't give out of a recession. It was, you know, or out of inflation. They gave in the midst of an extreme, of a severe trial, and out of extreme poverty, giving above and beyond their ability, and they, did, and they considered it a privilege, and they did so because they had first given themselves to the Lord, unless you have given yourself to the Lord, unless you have made the Lord a priority in your heart, he will not be a priority in your life and it will not be reflected in your giving. As a matter of fact, your giving may be the first thing that says to you that Jesus has no importance at all to me. You may consider your giving gold and frankincense and he may evaluate it in an entirely different way. And it is not the pastor or the deacons or the church treasurer or the financial secretary who's able to evaluate your gifts. It is the Lord Jesus himself who looks not only at our giving, but at our hearts. So this church, like the widow, gave out of their poverty. It was gold and frankincense and myrrh. It was precious and priceless giving. So from week to week, 
Does your giving honor the Lord? Does your giving reflect the gifts of the wise men? And would the Lord consider it gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Now that's the pattern of giving reflected in the hearts of those who sought to worship the Lord Jesus from the moment of his birth. You know, everybody, your giving is a testimony. You say, well, nobody's supposed to know. The left hand's not supposed to know what the right hand is doing. Well, that's true. But the giving of your church is also a testimony. And so maybe we don't know what you give, but maybe we look at the bottom line. Maybe we add it all up together and we say, here's how much we gave this year. Do you know how much you give? Do you know how much your church gives? Do you even know what your church budget is? You know, those things are important. Is it, was it important to Paul? Paul said this in, in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 24, talking to the Corinthians about the Macedonians. He said, hey, the Macedonians are coming. They're going to collect this gift. And so it's really important that when they come and they collect your gift, they don't think that you cheated the Lord, that you shortchanged the Lord in your giving. He said, therefore, show these men the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you so that the churches can see it. That's 2 Corinthians 8, 24. That's so that their church could be, the giving of their church could be a testimony. Sometimes, you know, used to when we all got Baptist papers and we'd open up the Baptist paper, you'd see the story, the testimony of some church in their sacrificial giving. You'd see how they had impacted the kingdom. Their giving. Has your church ever been known as a church that impacted the kingdom in its giving? Certainly in the past, that's been true. Can that be true in the future? Well, it'll be true in the future if we correct the attitude of our hearts and let our giving be gold, frankincense, and myrrh as the Lord evaluates it as, as, we, as we give. So Paul wrote to this church in Corinth, reminding them about what they needed to do. So, as a matter of fact, you know, sometimes we pledge something to the Lord. We promise we don't pledge in our church. We don't send out pledge cards for you to write down what you give, but we all make commitments in our heart. We say in the coming year, I'm going to be faithful to the Lord in my giving. I'm going to honor the Lord in my giving. I try to do that, and I'm sure you do as well. But somewhere along the way, something happens. You know, we have a flat tire and we say, well, i got to buy a set of tires this month, and so I don't believe I can give to the Lord this month. And next week, well, i got to go somewhere, maybe to the dentist, and so I can't, I can't give to the Lord this month. And, you know, next month is Christmas, and I can't give to the Lord this month. And so Paul, knowing that, knowing that, as he wrote to the church at Corinth, he said, look, this is what we're going to do. He said, I'm going to send a group. This is from the same story. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. He said, so I thought it necessary to urge the brethren. He said, I got some brothers here, and I'm going to send them on ahead and arrange beforehand your previously promised, they promised, your previously promised bountiful gift. They said, hey, yeah, Paul, we'll give, and we'll give like they gave. We'll give sacrificially. We'll give above and beyond our ability. He said, I'm going to make sure that that gift is ready as a bountiful gift and not affected by covetousness. In other words, I get ready to give and I say, yeah, I promise this, and, but you know, I need a new lawnmower. And maybe I'm not going to, I may, I'll just keep this part for my lawnmower. And so that's using what I have pledged to God, I promised to God for myself. And that's never a good practice in scripture. So 
Paul had given a principle of Christian giving to the church at Corinth, which they already knew. And it goes back to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. He said, look, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. You know what collections are? Doug, collections is when that guy comes to your door and knocks on the door and says, uh, hey, Doug, you, you not hadn't paid your car payment. I'm coming to get it. That's collections. Paul said, we don't want to have to go door to door. We don't want to have to gather what you promised. You have it ready because this, this is your commitment to the Lord. Paul wasn't in Corinth every week, but on the first day of every week, they were to set their offering apart for the work of the Lord. Paul was reminding them that Jesus knew whether or not their gifts were gold, frankincense, or dirt. Do you suppose he understands and knows the same thing about yours and mine? So we go back to the wise men. The wise men started their journey. We know how far did they travel? We don't know. We don't even know how many there were. We always say there were three, but you know there were three gifts, but doesn't tell us how many wise men there were, whether there were two or five or three. It really doesn't matter. But what does matter is that they loaded their camels and they made the journey. And their gifts were in hand. And those gifts remained intact all the way to Jesus. And when they got to Jesus, they laid them at his feet in an act of worship. But their worship began the moment they pledged in their heart to give those gifts. And so every step they made from the moment they left their homeland to the moment they arrived at the feet of Jesus was a step in a journey of worship. Had they not carried out that commitment, had they decided, well, we'll give the gold, but we'll not give the frankincense, or we'll give the myrrh, but we'll not give the gold, then that whole journey would have been a long journey of disobedience. When you pledge in your heart to give to the Lord, you maybe put your money in an envelope or maybe you say, well, when I get there, I'm just going to send it online and give it as the church gives. Then the very journey to church as you come here, it's a journey of obedience because you have pledged in your heart, I'm going to honor the Lord. And that's what Paul said about this offering that they were taking up. He said, we're going to do this. This is going to honor the Lord. It's going to help people but it's going to honor the Lord. Everybody has to decide in their own heart. That's what Paul said. Everybody has to decide in their own heart, and they have to give not grudgingly, but to be a cheerful giver. And when you do, with every gift you give and every offering you make, you declare the worth of Jesus. What is Jesus worth to you? Is your giving precious and priceless giving. Well, we know that these uh, people in, in Macedonia, Paul said, you know, they first gave themselves to the Lord. A person really can't give correctly in their own Christian life unless first they've given themselves to the Lord. You give your heart to the Lord, 
when you give your heart to the Lord, then anything he asks of you, you're ready to give, your personal commitment. If he says, hey, I want you to go and be a missionary like the people that you see on the screen, or I want you to be a preacher, you're willing to give your obedience to the Lord, your commitment to the Lord, or even part of your money to the Lord, should the Lord require it. Whatever he requires, you're willing to give because your heart in your life is given to him. And so that's what we need to consider now at this point in the service is not what hasn't been given so far, but what we can give, what I can do today to make the kind of commitment I need. And the commitment we need to make right now is not to take up an offering. The only offering that we're going to take up right now is the one that we take up every Sunday. And that's the offering that says, I will present my body as a living sacrifice, as, a, as an acceptable service of worship to my Lord. I'm going to make a commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you make that commitment? Have you ever made that commitment? Is the Lord leading you to make it today? If so, would you come as we stand and sing?